Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens, we hope. I don't know, something. Well, we do more than hope. I mean, we make most of the life happen. We've worked really hard, in fact, to true at, at least attempt to achieve something like a life. Yes, this is true. It's it's harder for me to notice than you. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm feeling a little extra squashed by the pandemic lately, and it's not because I'm missing people. We all know that. Yeah. It's something else, I guess. Like like what? Like that you couldn't go to spring training? Like Yeah, we couldn't go to Galley, and we couldn't go to spring training, and we've just been here the whole damn time. You miss vacations. I do. Which I still find a little odd. Like, wait, you do a what now? <laughs> Yeah, I know. But I mean, it makes sense that if that is something that you are accustomed to as being a means of escape or like your release valve for your other tensions, that so it's something to look forward to not having that available to you. Mm-hmm. I think you should. Well, I won't tell you what you should do, but yeah, might- yeah you will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it might be a good idea to uh, look into taking a plane ride to your sister sometime this summer, now that you're fully vaccinated. And My, my sister lives in Arizona. Nobody goes there in the summer. Arizona doesn't even want to be there <laughs> in the summer. But I'm going to try to plan something else. Mm-hmm. It's um, I didn't realize until the things still weren't happening that, that it was so tiresome to not have them and to just stay here and keep doing the same things. Uh, it, it, it seems like an unnecessary complaint. So that's all. It, well, I, I can see where you're saying that because in our culture, quote unquote, taking vacations does seem like a frivolous pursuit comparatively. But I think that if that is what you have become accustomed to, like if that is what you have worked like, since you were a teenager, you would work to be able to go someplace. Like, your first vacation was with, like, what, your grandpa to Hawaii or something. Like, mm-hmm. that that wasn't something you could just pop and do. You, you had to, like, make that happen. And since then, that has been, like, your thing that you're working for. And we all have those things, whether, you know, for you, it's a vacation. For me, it's video game time or video game time. Sometimes you read books. Sometimes I do read books. That's in the last pandemic or so. Since the pandemic, yes, I've gotten back into reading. It's very nice. I missed reading. I had only been reading curriculum materials for way too long. It's nice to be able to read actual books, like nonfiction books about things that I'm interested in, not just things I have to teach about. Right. And storybooks, novels with like other places and people to escape with. But if the thing that you have for decades made your regular escape is no longer available to you, the fact that in our culture it is perceived as being frivolous, I think is not something that we should be paying attention to. I think we should just make sure that you have options available to get your release valve in. Right. Does that make sense? Probably. I I suppose for some people it would be going to see the people like we would do that if we went to Galley and to go to see my sister is going to see family. And for some people, that's that too. And, and my, you know, hanging out with my sister at a ball game and relaxing. And it feel, it, we, it gives you this thing that the, you probably get from the video game, this short trip away from reality, which is really nice. Yes. It's a nice, nice place. Away from reality is usually a nice place. <laughs> I mean, it depends on which reality you're escaping and what path you How take out. How long you stay yes. in the other place. And yes. What happens in your 
pathway of hopefully not destruction. Know some people who get a little too far from reality and try and mix the two, but that's not your pattern. So you you make it work. No, it's not my pattern. So you said you're working on some other escape. What is that? Can I? It's baseball. My work wife would like to go to baseball, a big stadium, like whichever one we can drive to in any direction. And she likes to drive. And um, I'd like to go to a baseball game. So, and if somebody else wants to go, they'll probably join us. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it'll be you, but you have been invited. Well, thank you. That's very yes. kind. I told my, my work wife, no, I don't think my wife will want to go, but I will let my wife know. I generally don't enjoy spectatoring with sports ball. No. I don't mind playing. I played basketball and softball when I was younger, but the spectatoring is something that I only enjoy for the social value. Right, right. And we would just drive there and drive back. So there we go. And you would be taking a boy or? Mm, probably not. What would what would the boy be doing? Same thing he does all day anyway. Play his game. Okay. Yeah. Be told to go to the bathroom in between. Possibly send him to grandma's if she's around. I mean, it would just be for a day. Okay. Yeah. It would be like a day trip, like leave early in the morning and come back late at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'd like to go to a day game. Yeah. So we have to find one within an eight-hour drive, which shouldn't be too hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And it won't be an eight-hour drive the way driver will be driving. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah, typically. If our boy is here and you are not, then I may or may not uh, stick around the house that day. Right. Because that's generally... Uh, well, it seems to me if you gave him a bunch of game time... And some cookies and cream ice cream. He wouldn't care what else you did. That's his his thing lately. He wants ice cream. He does want ice cream a lot. (laughs) He had new meds for a little while. And the same thing happened last time. He had similar meds. He got a terrible sweet tooth and wasn't hungry for anything else. Right. And so... He only had those meds for about a week. And we had enough of that. So... Yeah. He he wasn't eating. But But you did take him to, uh, to go swimming, though. I did. He had a spring break. So I took him to go swimming. You had to make an appointment and you got an hour and a half spot with about 27 other people or less. Whatever the capacity percentage is right now for that county and that level of infection rates and whatever right. in our area. How was that? It was fine, actually. He was okay. The boy I, was okay? He he was Still eating then, so he ate on the way there, and he ate on the way home. So it was yes. expensive, is what it was. Well, but, and that's just to be expected. Yeah, teenagers eat everything, especially if you go away from the house. Yes. They don't want what you have. Oh, no. There's a whole meme about like parents telling kids, we have blank at home, and then what the blank at home is is something terribly worse than the thing they were asking for out of doors. Like, Yeah, they get out there and they get hungry because they're away from the house, and if they're hungry away from the house and you didn't put anything in the car that you can convince them to ingest, then maybe you'll buy them... Poke. Yeah, which isn't a, a un, totally unhealthy meal, but was expensive mm-hmm. for him. Yeah, but still, I mean, he's making good choices about what he wants when he's out. He's not begging for McDonald's or for burgers or pizza or whatever. He does that at home. He begs for pizza. That's true. Yeah. That's just a normal middle school boy. Yeah. Yeah. You are correct. The other thing that was interesting about the place you went to swim was that they didn't have changing rooms. Correct. Which, when you were planning this, you were kind of hedging about whether, you know, what to do about what we've occasionally called him the dick patrol. Yes. Him and 
I know that the, this is a little county park, so it's, the, I knew the changing rooms are extremely tiny. And, you're, you know, usually those would be full of people. And I was trying to think, have I been in that changing room before? Have I been in that pool since transitioning? Or did I just not go in that changing room? And they did not have a changing room, which I was able to read all that online because, you know, of all the rules of things. Right. But that meant, you know, we still had to change because it's an hour and a half drive and to the, the to the pool that was open. And so yeah. my car is pretty conducive to just changing in the car. It's kind of a square thing. Mm-hmm. So you, you have a SUV. Yes, I have an old contraption that... Has room for changing. Has room. So I had him go in there and change. And then once I gave him his phone, I knew he wouldn't care <laughs> what I was doing. He was out there taking pictures because it was snowing. Oh, that's great. Uh-huh. And it was nice views. So, yeah. So that was good that you were able to do the changing and the everything else. But then as you were telling me about this, I remember thinking, well, like, you used to go swimming all the time and you used to go to, like, these hot springs places all the time and get massages and, like, all these other things that you used to love to do before transition. Mm -hmm. And I asked you, you know, what, what are your thoughts on these things now? Like, was it transition that made you change your mind? Or is it just not something, you know, it was, you're allowed to like things and then not like them, you're allowed to have phases and what you like. Mm -hmm. But you know, is it related? Or is it just something that changed? Or? Well, I think it's the category of things that many trans people find more difficult in transition, such as swimming, mm-hmm. um, certainly massage. Um, I think I've had one massage and that was something that you scheduled as a gift and we both went and I wasn't really, well, I have had some at the chiropractor, but that's like mostly my, my neck and shoulders. That was for my shoulder, yeah, my shoulder injury. So I'm not as comfortable about disrobing anywhere because I'm more than aware my body is different and that it can cause problems for me to be in the wrong setting. So things that involve disrobing or being in, you know, having to change clothes back and forth like that are more problematic. Mm -hmm. And so just haven't been as desirable as before when I had gotten used to that body for 50 years Mm -hmm. and just kind of knew how to ignore it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because at that point, like, even though your body was causing you problems, it wasn't going to cause anybody else to cause you problems. No, and I wasn't going to disrobe where there were potentially aggressive persons, also known as men. Yes. um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, not that women aren't, but it's a whole other story and everybody knows it. Yeah, it is. um, Yeah, so there's a lot more thought that has to go into the plan. Mm -hmm. And certainly if something, if this was something I wanted to do all the time, I would find a way to do it. Right. But it does does change things when you're like, okay, do I need a packer? If I need a packer, which one will not melt in this type of water that's warmer? If you, you know, if there's a hot tub there, if there's a, which one will not float away? Yes. (laughs) You know, that kind of stuff. That even if I had some other surgery to have my urethra pointing the right way, and I I still might feel very uncomfortable about how my body looks Mm -hmm. around other people, you know, not feel safe or comfortable about that. Right. Yeah. And how much of that is related to like the flack you might get from other people and how much of that is related to your discomfort in your own skin and having to deal with that around other people? I, I don't think I could give an exact 
division on that. But certainly part of the external one is that I have this boy with me who is very aware of things. And so I have to look very average to him mm-hmm. in my presentation. Otherwise, he starts, you know, asking you if you have a penis. And, you know. The answer is yes. There's yes, four or five of them I, in my I nightstand. Have I have them. <laughs> there might be one in my pants. You never know. <laughs> but, um, you know. My body is none of his business, but he's that kid. So I have that very close proximity external presence uh-huh. that because it's magnified by its proximity, it probably would be different once he's out doing his own thing. And if I was doing these things myself, right, it wouldn't be also considering being around him and changing or however I'm presenting. Right. So that makes sense. Yeah. That having having the small person there also makes the difference mm-hmm. in the way that that balance is going to shift. And I was thinking about this the other day, not the independent massage people, like I, I want to support people like that, but the benefit of larger chain massage companies is that generally they're going to want to protect their name and protect their corporate image. And so they're not going to create a problem if your body happens to be different. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking about like one of those, like the one that's up and around the corner mm-hmm. and seeing if that might be like a better option. I don't think I'd want to do it. If I was going to get massages, I would continue to go to the chiropractor. Okay. And just get what I needed work done. I would not feel comfortable because even though they have to protect their company, I don't know who else that person is going to talk to. Right. And this is a small place. It is. That's I, I true. Would, so that I would not be comfortable with okay. for myself. Yeah. Whereas before the amount of stress would go ahead and lead me to say, I, I'm just going to go ahead and have one of these massage things because... Because there's stress. too much stress in my body and somebody else needs to help it out yes. of me because it's not working on my end. Now I have a thing that you um, put in against the back of the couch and you you plug it in and you sit there and lean against it and it rolls around and massages your back. You have a number of massage devices and that's the other thing, you know, it's like you save up and you get the option to do it for yourself. Sort of like I've been thinking about saving up and getting a hot tub for Mm -hmm. years. You know, these things that we think of like, well, I'll just do it myself because doing the version that involves other people is not the one I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have that one, and I have a small one that you can use on your lower back or your shoulders. And it comes unplugged in a way that I can take the old one out of the car, which is the one I bought for a dollar many years ago at a garage sale. <laughs> and it doesn't roll around, it kind of just moves. It but it has works a little really thing, good. Yeah. And probably it works so good because it, the dial no longer dials to different levels, it just goes on and off. Mm-hmm. But you can plug it in to yeah. this. To this other one. Otherwise, you can only plug it in in the car. Right. So then I would be like, oh, let me take a drive and massage my back. Oh. you know, yes. I was doing yard work. Yes. I need to take a drive now. Oh. And the, the one that you got, the littler one that you use on your shoulders and back, it's also designed for use on other parts of your body and your thighs and calves. <laughs> Yeah, the instructions are funny. They have the thighs and calves backwards in the pictures. Yes. Like the thighs. It has a picture of a calf and it says, use on your thighs. Yes. It has a picture of a thigh and says, use on your calves. It does. So. It's very funny. It is very funny. Mm -hmm. But. But that one, you could sit with the one on your back and put that one on the floor and put your feet on it. Nice. Yeah. So I'm old. (laughs) You are. We both are. That's what I'm happy about. We both are. Yeah. But speaking of old, um, you were 
telling me, you know, that all of these things and the way that your trans status interacts with the world around you and the way that it causes you to modulate your interactions with the world around you. Mm-hmm. You were thinking about this and we've thought about that. We've talked about this before about how if you had been able to transition when you were younger, how it would have affected your interactions with culture, with society, with other people you were interacting with. And recently, you had a new thought about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking what my life would have been like with my parents, the interactions with my parents. Because certainly, as, as a trans person, looking back over my life, there were a lot of not very deep interactions with people because they couldn't understand who I was. And, and I know that I, I, I know from stories that I heard over the years that when I was very young, I did try to explain to them that I was supposed to be a boy. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know what to do with that. So they just said, okay, like they do to any other three-year-old and moved on. They, for all they knew, they thought you were saying something just like one of our three-year-olds. Talk three year about what I'm saying. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we have three-year-olds who will say, I'm a dinosaur. We have three-year-olds who will say, I'm a chicken. But the thing is, the ones who are saying, I'm a dinosaur, aren't going to bed crying, praying that their tail will grow in tomorrow. Most of them. You know, mm-hmm. the ones who are saying, I'm a chicken, aren't looking in the mirror and trying to paint on feathers to figure out, you know, how can I make this right? Mm-hmm. This there's a difference there, but they didn't know that. No, they had no reference point for that. And I I was thinking the other day what type of interactions might I have had with my parents as my true gender. What, would they have been so much more real, or is that just my you know perspective from my age that I am now? Now, how do you mean real? So if you're not your real self, then you're not going to talk about a lot of things, you know. Would my relationship with my father have been more sincere, whether in a good way or a bad way? Because I don't feel like it was. I don't feel like that relationship was at all. And I think that was in part his inabilities to cope. Um, I think a lot of people have insincere interactions with addicted parents. Yes, this is true. (laughs) But... But I, I remember I mentioned to my sister a couple of years ago that when I was a kid, I didn't get to do the things with the boys, you know, like my cousins. And she felt sad about that, too. Mm-hmm. She said, that's that's sad because, you know, that's where you would have wanted to be. And um, some of them I did. But because I had the perspective from the other side of not all the stupid things boys are allowed to do, mm-hmm. I knew they were doing stupid things. So there was that, too. If you had been able to transition early, do you think you would have been doing all the stupid things? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure I would have all kinds of stupid things. That's what boys are Wee. made for, as far as I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's interesting because, like, I know I've heard a lot of people say, you know, people who realized that they were trans not when they were toddlers, mm-hmm. who came to that realization and then like over the course of their transition coming into better interactions and realizing, oh, I wasn't just depressed or I wasn't just socially awkward or I wasn't just dealing with these, you know, I I wasn't just anxious. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was trying to deal with myself and or I was trying to fit into a mold that was wrong, or I was all of these other things that they say, I didn't realize this was dysphoria. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's interesting to me how they were able to hide that from themselves for so long and not know what that was. I mean, I know how the mind works, so I know that we can do these things. Psych degree says what? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, for me, I I felt sad most of the time. And, and part of that was dep- actual depression. Yes. And I think part of it was actual sadness for the state that I was not in and not knowing how to get there. And by the time I decided not to at one point, because it was going to be too hard to, you know, get transition managed and moving on from there and dealing with things the best I could. And I suppose for those people that didn't realize it was dysphoria, it's probably something like, I mean, from my understanding, like when I came home that day from the gym and got in the shower and thought, wait a second, I don't have to do this anymore. I could (laughs) stop doing this. Yes. Like, meaning being in the body I was in and the way things were and that I didn't have to live like that anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's a back of your mind that that turns it off because you're coping with the things around you. Right. Which is normal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that totally makes sense that that's a thought you would have now, but it's interesting to me to see how you particularly have that thought and -hmm. how that thought has played out in your own brain. I find those kind of things interesting when people tell them to. Um, You talk about the way that you interacted with your father, but how about with your mother? Like, I remember watching her watch you transition and she couldn't see. You really, you remember that, right? I do remember okay, that. Just checking. And I know that having that visual cue is helpful for most people in social interactions. Mm-hmm. But I also remember her being like proud of her ignorance, which That's is something some kind that, of problem in my family. Yes, that is a common. You've met other family members. Yes, but like. I couldn't tell how much of that was that cultural training that like your mom and your aunt and even a little bit your sister all have that, I'm going to do the thing and be proud of it. And I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. And I don't know what I'm but doing. But don't you think a lot of people in our society have this approach? They don't have to know why they're doing things. They're just standard straight people who can just go about their business and not care. Well, I mean, that's my opinion. To, to some extent, yes. And especially when it comes to things that are matters of cultural background noise, like cis folks in a cis normative community, mm-hmm. uh, like straight folks in heteronormative spaces, you know, people who think that showing a queer relationship on TV is ah, what about the children, but don't even think anything of it when someone mentions their wife or their husband in a hetero relationship, because that's just normal. Mm -hmm. And I see those things. But then I also see, you know, realizing that something was off and then continuing to brag about it. Like your mother saying, I didn't know there was such a thing as gay girls. Like after you had been out as female attracted for decades. Mm -hmm. And... I didn't know that people transitioned that direction, like after you had been doing it for months and months. Mm -hmm. And it just strikes me as one more element of the cis people centering their own experience, the normative people centering their own experience instead of trying to be supportive of the person experiencing the challenges of being part of a minority community. They they don't know what they're doing. They don't know, you know, mm-hmm. that it could be important to do these things, you know. They have to have something 
to compare it to, I guess. I mean, it makes me think of things our kids do. And I think, why are our kids doing this thing? And I think, because it's not a problem for them. Because they don't know any better. They haven't been taught any better yet. And, and if it's not <laughs> a problem for you, and you don't recognize it's a problem for somebody else, then you don't notice it. Right. Which is why we make things a problem for our children. We do. <laughs> They dislike it. They and do. As they should. You know, and that's the point. The mm -hmm. other day, number three says to me, you know, when you take away a privilege for not doing my chores, that in absence of the privilege, I'm just going to get up and smile and do my chores. And I'm like, no, what I think is that you're going to remember not liking not having the privilege and next time you'll do your chores. Yes. We don't think you're going to be happy not having your privilege. No, we think you're going to be unhappy and that the next time you're going to risk unhappiness, that risk will deter you from losing the privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did they understand? Yeah. Maybe. Almost. They, I think they, they did. They didn't want to acknowledge that they understood, but that's a very teenagerly thing. <laughs> yes. And in some cases with teenagers, it's because they don't want to accept that they need to, you know, acknowledge this reality and live in it. Right. And if I don't accept your reality, I don't have to live there. Well, they only have a few years left before they have to live in their boss's reality. So yeah, possibly their college professor's reality. But I think that number three is going to get a job for a while before going back to college. That's fine. I think it's fine. I think it'll work out good for them if they do. Yeah. I think either way could be useful. But mm -hmm. you're talking about with your parents. Are there any other close relationships like that, familial type relationships, that you think would have been different if you had come into them presenting as yourself? I think all of them would have been because none of those people saw the real me. The only ones who have seen the real me have since then seen me, usually on some type of screen, a picture or so forth, mm -hmm. typing. And that's not very many. Mm -hmm. So, and I know those ones accept me, mm -hmm. you know, as I am, but they didn't know. And so you're, you're just going along half living your life or less. Mm -hmm. And um, it's painful even to think of. It was painful to do. It was very painful to do. And it's painful to think back on it. Um, I, I'm, I don't think it would have made me much more outgoing because I'm not that guy, but I think it would have made me <laughs> Somewhat so. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I would have been, you know, a straight white guy in the world, and that's just kind of the way the rest of the world is, and so they deal with you differently out there. You would have had fewer social barriers to interaction. Yes, both because I was myself and because dudes are like, hey, dude, to the other dude, then it's all right. good. Right. When, when that's... you're the dude who can't be seen as a dude... And then you're on the outside, you're on the periphery all the time, and you know what's happening. It reminds me a little bit of when number one child was in middle school and first recognizing his autism and struggling with anxiety and depression about that and um, just trying to very awkwardly cope with it as you do when you're at that age. Because um, you awkwardly cope with anything that you're able to cope with in middle school. <laughs> Coping is awkward in middle school. That's just what it is. To, right. Yes. So it, it, it's a realization for him at that point that, oh, this world of mine is not everybody's world. And it's slightly uncomfortable trying to go back and forth between them. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that second part that you were talking about was was really like what I was trying to say, but like I can see both sides of it. That 
culture accepts you differently when you present as male and you have fewer barriers to entry in that sense because of privilege, but also because you don't have to be constantly doing that cognitive, the safety math in the back of your head of how do I need to fit into this situation as someone that I'm really not? Because that's how right. they perceive me. Right. Be- because even cisgendered women out there who who self-identify as cis and, and hetero, for instance, mm-hmm. they feel like they have a place in the world. That's what I've been told. Yes. I've seen it. <laughs> uh-huh. I've seen them fit into their things. You know, yes. like, this is my groove, you know. Which I think is part of why, like, a lot of the women in your family can have that proud of being oblivious thing, because they have a space, and they know their space, and that's my space. I don't need to know the things. I have my space. Maybe. I don't know. And you didn't even meet my dad's side of the family, so that would be curious. It would be. Yeah. Well, you did see... Uh, you look worried. Um, <laughs> that was a you point. did hear me talking with my cousin on the phone that time, my sister and I. Yes. Like last year for a long time. Mm-hmm. But a lot of my dad's side of the family has also those poor coping skills of, of as you t- you and I talked about the other day, um, certain areas of the country and in certain time periods of the country where alcohol is a very accepted way by everybody. That was everyone's way to relax after work. That was everyone's way to relax after a strenuous day of whatever, mm-hmm. of housework, of yard work, of parenting. I've been keeping these toddlers safe all day. Now they're going to bed and I'm going to get sloshed. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) There are still toddlers in your house, dude. Oh, really? Oh, darn it. Right? Yeah. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah, there was a lot of not drinking during those years. For me. For you. Not for my parents. No, No. that's the thing. Our parents were doing plenty of it. Oh, gosh. We, on the other hand, ran the other direction. And now it's funny because now, like, our kids are mostly self-sufficient, at least, you know, in, in the things that we would be able to assist with. They're self-sufficient and bad at it, but they, they, yeah, could, they like, could stay alive. They could stay alive. Yes. And so we have occasionally a drink as we're watching a movie or a drink as we're, if you know, we're after if our we're, kids are in bed. And after we're done driving them around because now they're at that stage. Ah, uh, yes. Because our state has opened up enough and we are both vaccinated and our kids have both demonstrated themselves to be fairly conscientious about wearing masks when they're out with their friends. And This school has trained number two child well. Mm-hmm. He feels quite comfortable in a mask. And... I have trained number three fairly well that they don't want to bring COVID home and possibly give either their father or I a stroke, mostly their father. I think they just want to protect him Mm -hmm. because he is not interested in getting vaccinated for the same reason he didn't want his children's vaccinated. But that's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. Well, there are people who won't. So what else? So now you have your gender. (laughs) I do. And how different is it now? Like chosen family now that you have the interactions you have now that are familial i i don't i don't see an adjustment there because i spent so many years as a queer having chosen family that that was not a big deal so i don't see that i do see that my family that i grew up with uh mostly i see my father's side do talk to my mother's side a little bit there's not a lot of children on my mother's side there's like one cousin Hmm. because uh, they probably all decided that they didn't want to do that. So, 
fair. Yeah. Oh, that's quite fair. But. Yeah, good idea, I'm sure. Um, but on my dad's side, that first of all, they just treat me as the person in the gender I am. And I think for my aunt being around me all the time and, and seeing, she just sees me as a man that's, you know, she expects to do stupid things because that's what men do, you know? <laughs> but also to fix things for her. And to, oh, God, you know all I mean? the fixing, just like your mother was. To do things. Yes. You know, like a nephew is supposed to. I think that most of them look at me and just see, a man, but so many of them I didn't talk to for many, many years. Right. So you know? they didn't have like those decades of interaction no, to retrain their brain my away mo- from. My mother was the only one that did, and she did have a hard time with the pronouns, I think, mm-hmm. because of that. But I didn't talk to all those people. You know, my father died when I was young, and, and I didn't talk to those people. I think of people like our chosen auntie and chosen grandma, and how your interactions with them have changed over the past decade. They used to try to do that thing that they still tried to do with you for a while. And you've got a a nice break during the pandemic of that, you know, trying to talk to you like they talk with other women and be friendly and so forth. And I was used to women just doing that thing because they do that. Mm -hmm. But but they don't do that now. Um, They respond to the presentation I have. I think that their brains work that way quite thoroughly. So what I was trying to ask then about that is how does that shift for you and your interactions with them? We've talked before about how their interactions in your direction have changed, Mm -hmm. but how does that affect your ability to interact with them or your sense of interactions with them or your comfortable, comfortable, comfort with interactions with them? (laughs) Or does it? it? I think it does because I think I am more comfortable because then while I'm being myself, it's expected when it's received, you know? Yeah. So in a bit of a way, like like we expect our number three child to not make words at us, and then we have to coax them to make words, mm-hmm. but we expect them not to. Yes. And, but for me, their understanding of what to expect from a, a male in our culture is what I am already doing, and so they leave it at that. They don't just keep going which is really nice. Yeah, that was kind of why I wasn't going over there for a a while. And then there were issues with our boy's other parent, and I wasn't going over there because that was bad. But anyway, yeah, like they they do that, that, oh, you're a woman, we're going to include you in our women's... Well, they're trying to include you. I mean, they think that's what you want because that's what they would want. And I understand that. And I, I, I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, it is. It is more comfortable for me. I'm not expected to do things um, in the women's category. There's my air quotes, mm-hmm. and and that is much more comfortable for me. Right. I'm not expected to remember what I'm doing, and the truth is, I do not. So there you go. <laughs> and the question about that, that I have about that sometimes is how much of that is testosterone brain, because we definitely saw some shifts in your cognition when you started tea. Yes. And how much of that is age-related, and how much of that is brain cells that were killed off by sepsis some years ago? A a large part of it is the brain cells that were killed off, uh, because I don't remember a lot of things from before that. Uh, Recently, I went and made a timeline one morning couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. I was sitting down there and I made a timeline. Because so I was like, okay, I knew that this is when the Cubs won the World Series. And then there were these other things. And here's now. 
So where did those things go on the mm-hmm. calendar? Yes. Yeah. And I sat there and tried to figure it out. That's interesting. I'd like to see that timeline if you still have it, if you didn't I, like I throw probably it away. do. It's probably stuffed in my desk somewhere, but it might not be. Okay. But I know what it looked like. Yeah. But now I'm curious, like, how did that affect your ability to build our relationship? Like... I remember when you and I were first together that you had mentioned to your cousin Vinny that, oh, this person is pansexual and is, you know, a little out of the ordinary and they should be able to deal with whatever I've got going on. Yeah, I think Vinny noticed that before I did. But I think that I then didn't feel concerned about what my place was in the world compared to where you were and what else was going on in our world. Right. I didn't feel like I had to adjust to anything. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's very good. Yay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was comfortable with you because whatever, as you just said, whatever my story was, was not going to be a problem. So. Yeah. Yep. So. After I figured out I I shouldn't be fooled by the mom purse. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. The 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 first time you saw me in person, I was very mom presenting. Wait, and you had the mom purse. I had the mom purse. And I was just like, this and is And I had just come from getting my hair cut, so it was could, all styled, and I, I was looking a little extra matched. femme. I'm like, something isn't matching here, but I don't understand, and there's a mom purse. What does this mean? Yeah. And now you know that when I femme up like that, it's all drag. Yes. Now <laughs> I know. You're going out, and you're trying to blend in. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to do it in a fun way. Mwahahaha. That's right. I had to teach you how to mwahaha the other day. Yes, I don't know if I've got it down right yet. Say moi. Moi. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Put them together. Moi ha ha ha. Good job. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So is that it? That's it. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! Are you supposed to be able to hear that? I don't know. Teenager cackling down the hall? It's possible. I'm okay. Just not wondering. concerned. <laughs> Just asking. I think by now, if our friends are not used to hearing our background noise of our house from Bob the dog to our various children to the fact that we live in a house on a street with traffic. Mm-hmm. Which is hard to find around here, but we have some. You know? Yeah. Birds, um, crickets, all well, the rest. Those are... I think they're used to it by yeah. now, I hope. But anyway... And I understand yeah. that. And I, I I appreciate the sentiment. Yes. Your face. <laughs> Your face says, that's very nice of you to say. <laughs> I'm trying. Yes, you are. I appreciate that. So, so yeah, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Can you give me my phone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is a message from my aunt that says, I fixed the TV. I don't know what I did, but it's okay now. <laughs>
Yay, because I didn't want to deal with the last message of, which was... See, that's the thing. I have to tell you what the last message was. But that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, though, like how how in their culture, like women didn't have to know things, didn't have to like do certain things that were just like not the women's things. And so they just didn't do them. And it's okay for me not to know it. And I can be proud of not knowing it because that's part of my feminine mystique. Well, that seems like a coping mechanism for dealing with the nonsense that they had to deal with. You know, I never thought about that. How like, well, if I'm going to be in this subjugated class, then I'm just going to make the men do X, Y, Z because... You never thought of that because you're not one of them. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, I'm not, but still. (laughs) I knew what they were doing because I spent so much time with all of them. And I knew they did know what they were doing. Just saying. Anyway. But and men are not expected in in their generations, or you know, men from their generations are not expected to know the women's things. Yeah. It was all segregated somewhere. Back somewhere. In some secret timeline. Fuck. Speaking of timelines. So. Were you saying something else about the timeline before oh, the boys got involved? Saying that I would like to see it if you still had a copy of it or knew where it was at. I probably do, but yeah, the message before that said. About a couple hours ago, the closed captioning came on my TV, but I only have the regular program, not the commercial. Give me a call back later. No hurry. Love you. Bye. (laughs) I don't know what that means. It probably doesn't mean what it's intended to be, but whatever happened, she fixed it. Yes. You're the man. Yeah, I was supposed (laughs) to tell her what to do, I suppose. No, I couldn't. (laughs) But I'm also not one of those, so... (laughs) No, uh uh-uh. Uh-uh. So... I don't know. I hope we didn't confuse everybody with this. I will cut whatever is too rabbit traily. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>